Hello and welcome to Voice of Restoration, a broadcast outreach of the Christian Brethren Church, bringing you Bible-based teachings from author and Bible teacher, Pastor Afolabi Oladeli. What I'd like to talk about is one of those legacy things that I ordinarily would not take. But it's, like I said, one of those legacy things that I'll be sharing with you that will give you an insight into stewardship and investing. And what motivated this, after listening sermon after sermon, at least I listened to four parts of the series that Andrew has been taking on sending help from the sanctuary. Part one, part two, part three, part four spoke about commitment, uh, sorry, contentment, the contentment factor, spoke about the Rehoboth factor. And as I listened over and over, it came upon me as a pressure that there's so many things that most people are confused about. Confused, because, not because they are not in the scriptures, but nobody has really sat down, or very few people have sat down to see how these things are juxtaposed. We went through the camp meeting about living in what? Post-truth world. And suddenly you find that many, many people, believers inclusive, are not even conscious of where they are living. And that's why those things are being aired across the entire quarter to awaken the people. And what I'm doing today is part of that, to awaken you on this issue that people are so confused over, I uh, was sharing with some of my sons who are with me over the weekend. One of the things that I tremble about speaking about publicly is about giving. I don't like it. doesn't mean it is right, but I just don't like it. Because it can be twisted in different directions. But today, as I said, this is one of those legacy things that I hope you would do well to listen to because I will give you a number of insights that you probably don't understand to give you a balanced view of managing your resources or the resources that God put in your hands. The world in which we live has two dimensions to it that are parallel dimensions. And in Ephesians chapter 6, you'll find the word of God speaking to us very, very clearly. That's about, I wraps it up. God is strong. God wants you out strong, not weak. Yes? So take everything the master has set out for you. Yep. Well-made weapons of the best materials. Well-made weapons of the best materials and the center around two. Go on, I don't want to get and ahead of And put them to use. Yes. So you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. Mm -hmm. This is no afternoon athletic context that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. Mm. This is for keeps. Mm. A life or death fight mm -hmm. to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Because the management of your resources happens to be one of the battlefields. And in this to come, 
maybe not here, but I'm determined to do that as part of the legacy series so that you understand that the different battlefields that you face. One of the battlefields is the mind. Another of the major battlefields, management of resources. And at the time that it pleases God, when I begin to speak about getting approval, getting approved of God, you will see how these things juxtapose. Yes? Be prepared. Be prepared. You are up against far more than you can handle on your own. Mm -hmm. Take all the help you can get. And this is part of that help in unfolding some of the things to you to get a balance. Yes? Every weapon God has issued. So when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Mm -hmm. Truth, righteousness, mm. peace, mm. faith, mm. and salvation mm. are more than words. Just told you there. Truth, faith, righteousness are more than just what? Words. Action. Demonstrable steps and work and things that you do that are obvious, that are just not, oh, we are just speaking words. Go on, please. Learn how to apply them. You need them throughout your life. Mm. God's word is an indispensable weapon. Number one. Number two, yes. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing God's warfare. word, indispensable weapon. Prayer, essential in the ongoing warfare. And I'll be taking from the word to show you several dimensions of the things that make us to stumble because we don't understand the parallel world in which we live. That there are parallel economies. There is the economy of God and there is the economy of this world. But too many of us are lost in the economy of the world that we are unable to see what are the dimensions of the economy of the eternal God. And if we don't, We'll find ourselves entangled. You, can't in, you cannot impose one upon the other. You choose the side on which you are. And the whole idea of this is to open up these things to you. They are things that you are familiar with, but we'll put them together for this purpose in a way that you can see it and you won't stumble. Praise the Lord. Go on, please. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. Underline the next phrase there. Keep your eyes open. Like they say, shine your eyes. Because it's not everything that you see that communicates the intent of what is behind. Behind the facade. Satan, the prince of darkness, he comes around like what? No, shining light. Angel of light. But he's still Satan. He's still Satan. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirit up so that no one falls behind and no one drops out. And that's the whole purpose of doing this that I said. It's a good, a fitting portion to add to what Pastor Andrew has been telling us concerning getting help from this sanctuary. The world has an economic system and God has an economic system. The two systems are diametrically opposed, operating under different principles. The world's economy is based on core beliefs like 
wealth brings security. They say wealth is equal to what? Security. Power is important. And this life is all that there is here. But God's economy are based on totally different principles. That security comes from the one who creates the heaven and earth. Your wealth can buy it. Secondly, generosity is important. And thirdly, the wise should make financial decisions based upon an eternal perspective, not just here. Luke chapter 12, let's take it from verse 13, and we go all the way to verse 30. Someone from the crowd said to him, mm -hmm. Master, order my brother to divide the inheritance and share it with me. Mm. But he told him, Man, who has appointed me a judge or umpire and divider over you? And he said to them, Guard yourselves and keep free from all covetousness. Now we'll see the definition of covetousness here. And please write that down. It's good for you. The, the immoderate desire for wealth, the, great, the greatly longing to have more. Immoderate desire for wealth, the greedy longing for more. For a man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing what? Overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. There is a limit to accumulation. There is a limit to what? Accumulation. And I will show you more because the things that you do that lead to accumulation are the things that they call investing and so on and so forth. I have taught many of you privately. There will be at least four or five that I have taught privately as students concerning all of these things. But that you may know and not stumble. Covetousness is the immoderate desire for wealth. And the greedy longing to have more. A man's life does not consist in the, and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above your need. I'm going somewhere today in the message. Thank you. Someone out of the crowd said, Yes. Teacher, Order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. Ogun. Ogun ti o He never worked for it. He replied, Mister, what makes you think is any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on. Take care. Protect, Protect yourself, yourself against the least bit of greed. So you can see covetousness, you can see greed together being used there. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Oh, Jesus said, abundant life he will give me. In what dimension is the abundant life that Jesus promised? It's a question you want to ask yourself. Because there are many of you who are sitting here who are on a, a speedy race. 
to try and just get more and more and more and more and more. Listen today so that you don't end up in the wrong place. Take care, protect yourself against the least beast of greed. Life is not defined by what you have even when you have a lot. Even when you have a lot. The reality of life, the peace that you have, is not, is not, on, the, is not on the amount of money or the wealth and so on and so forth. And there are those who have the wealth and they are spending it in the bed of pain. Can't even lift a finger. So when you are running, and you are running and you are running, know what you are running after. Know what you are running after. Matthew six twenty seven. Yes. And who of you, by worrying or being anxious, mm. can add one unit of measure, cubit, mm-hmm. to his stature, Mm-hmm. Or to the span of his life. Mm-hmm. And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon, in all his magnificence, excellence, dignity, and grace, was not arrayed like one of these. Mm. But if God so clothes the grass of the field... Who provides the clothing of the Christ of the field? Yes. Which today is alive and green, and tomorrow is tossed into the furnace. Will he not much more surely clothe you, O you of little faith? Mm. Therefore, do not worry and be anxious, saying, What are we going to have to eat? Or, What are we... going to have to drink or what are we going to have to wear for the gentiles heathen wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things and your heavenly father knows well that you need them all right from the beginning of times he was the one that planted the garden the Fruit-bearing tree, the seed-bearing plants, the animals and so on, God provided them. And it hasn't changed. It doesn't change. The world's economy tells you that it is your financial independence that provides for you. God's economy says, I am your provider. Jesus taught us, give us today our daily bread. Because Our Heavenly Father is the one who is the provider. When it comes to the area of financial security, the world tells you, accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. But you just read it. It says, don't accumulate beyond your needs. We don't understand that. Understand that financial security comes from who? From the eternal God. And the mindset of the world economy is that it's all here. Whereas God's economy says it's heavenly. Praise the Lord. Because there are 14 different elements that you use in defining, you need to identify the economy of the world with. And also first 14 elements that you can identify the economy of God with. 
So you can decide on which side you are going to be. The portion that you are reading, now you go back to it from that Luke chapter, Luke chapter 12, where I said you should stop. Because it then goes into a story that Andrew referred to in one of the ministrations. And I want you to see we are the issue of possessions and financial freedom. We are the come. Because all of us who are investing, everybody who says invest, invest, invest. Uh-huh. Is it not that we have financial freedom? I will show you many more things. Because financial freedom, financial freedom, financial freedom. You don't determine cycles of life. You don't. I don't either. There's only one who can show you the secret of cycles. And if you are not on his side, you can invest all you want. In the day that he chooses to set adversity against prosperity, everything that you put together, Gabadayani, goes. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. What can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods. I will store more. I will accumulate more, yes? And I'll say to myself. Now looking at it, I, my, myself. I, my, myself, yes? Self, you've done well. You've got it made. I mean, you know, I, I mean, can you see a man who is full of himself? Self! You have done what? You have done well. Sure? The man is bold. Self! You have done well. See a man that boasts as if the talent and the productivity of the earth the abundance of the rain were things that came from him. Self, you have done well. Yes? You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die. And your band full of goods, who gets it? Possessions. The world says what? Or yours. And God says what? I am the one that gave you all these things. Including your life. And he said, okay, come home. To whom will these things then belong? The world tells you when you have your problems, keep them to yourself. But the word of God tells me, I believe in Luke chapter 10 or Luke chapter 9, Come unto me, all you that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will do what? Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. What do you do with your problems? You think you can solve them with your money. The amount of money you have in the bank. You think you can solve them with it. You will die with the problems. God says... Give them to God. Financial freedom, because this is something that is taught even in Christian circles. I've read many books, Randy Alcon that he was referring to. There are many, several of them uh, that teach you things about financial freedom. 
But please, the world tells you that your financial freedom comes from external circumstance, the abundance of labor that you exercise. The word of God tells me my financial freedom is the internal peace that comes from God. And we'll get to that. Now, so that I don't hurry away, um, can you please just finish that bit, uh, the bit that you are reading? That's what happens when you mm. fill your band with self mm. and not with God. Mm-hmm. Okay, can you go back to the Amplified? Then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was fertile and yielded plentifully. And he considered and debated within himself, What shall I do? I have no place in which to gather together my harvest. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my storehouses and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain or produce and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many good things laid up, enough for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself merrily. But God said to him, You fool, this very night, they, the messengers of God, will demand your soul of you, and all the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who continues to lay up and hoard possession for himself and is not rich in his relation to God. This is how he fares. So how can he say he was not rich towards God? What does God want from him? The God that says a thousand cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. The God that says, if I needed a cattle, if I needed to eat a cattle, I don't even have to consult you. What did God want from this man? The big question, a rhetorical question that I'm going to come back to over and over. What does God want from you that he has blessed with high productivity, high abundance in the nature of this man? What does God want from you if God doesn't eat meat? He doesn't need you to build a house for him. He doesn't need this one. What is it that that scripture was saying? He was not rich towards God. Big question. What does God want from you? The world says of the world things, why would anyone want to give a portion of their income away? That's foolish. I labored for it. I'm at liberty to spend it the way I want. Only because they don't, they see the short-term perspective. And there are many things that are in the New Testament that have their foundation in the Old Testament that we don't often see. We just see that those things are, or rather, I'll take that again. Many things that you find in the writings of the apostles that have their foundation on the things that Jesus, the pronouncements of Jesus, but we had to link them together. Some of them I will show you, particularly in relation to this matter here. How is a man rich towards God? Next slide. The power to live, the word tells you, is you. God's economy tells me it comes from the Holy Spirit. Talents and gifts, the word tells you, you learned them, you inherited them. You develop them by the amount of your training. 
but talents are given from God. Where do you store your treasure? Interesting question. Because, you know, this one was an interesting one for me too. Many people who tell me, oh, why is it that um, you don't buy treasury bills? Treasury bills, many of you have seen them in newspapers because I don't buy them, because I don't trust the government. But I soon understood that that was fallacy. Your bank in which you are, paying, you are putting your money, what do you think they buy? Treasury bills. So whether you like it or not, you are exposed. That's the point I'm making. And it will take the wisdom of God to guide you in the measure in which you are exposed on this matter of investing. So that you don't get lost on this crazy invest, 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 invest. If anybody has thought investment, at least in privacy, I have. And people have seen the results. But I'm throwing you the balance this morning for legacy reasons. Throwing in the balance today that you may know that there are limits to the things you want to do if you are not going to fall short of the things of the eternal God. Where? Store your treasure where? This world's economy tells you where on this earth? God tells me in heaven. Let's take a few more scriptures and we will then proceed from there. One of the things that blew my mind was that conversation between the Lord Jesus and the rich young man. Because there I begin to answer the question, what does God mean when you say what? Be rich towards me. Can you go to Luke? I think it's Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 18, please. Luke 18. Luke 18, 22. Yes. And when Jesus heard it, hmm. he said to him, one thing you still lack. Yeah. Sell everything that you have. Sell everything that you have. And divide the money among the poor. Divide the money among the poor. And you will have rich treasure in heaven. Oh. You will have treasure where? In heaven, yes. And come back and follow me. Come back and follow me. Become my disciple. Where is he becoming the disciple? On the face of the earth. There is a storage in heaven. But the storage in heaven, for this man meant he will be what? Here on earth, totally empty. You have emptied everything that you have. And listen to me. This is part of the reason I don't like to talk about giving. So don't think that I'm saying this because I wanted to put all your money in the church. Because I will open a few more things here that you never understood. Go and sell all that you have. Distribute it to the poor. Come on, man. This is the same Jesus that they broke alabaster oil at his feet. And somebody was complaining this oil could have been sold and the money given to the poor. And Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. What kind of contradiction is that? Abby, professor, is it not? What kind of contradiction is that? The only thing that will defeat that argument that it is God who is saying, do it on me.
he is God alone. I can say, I am the source. Everything belongs to me. Sacrifice it upon me. And that's what Jesus said, gave the answer. He said, she did this for my burial. But it doesn't take away from the fact that being rich towards God is what Jesus was speaking about here. Spreading yourself thin, emptying yourself for those who are needy. But please note something here. Because when I said to you, in this particular case, who told this man to go and sell all? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Individual. If I come on this stage and tell you to go and sell everything that you have, better pick up stones and stone me. Hello? Let God himself come and speak to you. And there's no copycat here because you will find the exact parallel of this in Acts chapter 4. Thanks for listening. Join us again on Wednesday for the concluding part of today's sermon. For more information on today's episode, please call 0803-3628-796 or visit us online at tcbc.org.ng.